Once again, I want to welcome all of you, and today we're going to focus on the best relationship. Best relationship. You are created for relationships, and I want us to reconnect uh, today, and I believe it's going to be very helpful. Like I said earlier, if you want to connect with us, or you want to check our previous Bible study, please go to drmanasa.com. And you can get all the information that you will need. And you can be able to access all our previous Bible studies. Also, uh, if you want to connect with us via WhatsApp, you can go uh, send us a WhatsApp on plus seven, plus one, I'm sorry. Plus one, seven, one, four, six, one, two, three, one, zero, two. Plus one, seven, one, four, six, one, two, three, one, zero, two. And if you want to send an email, go ahead and send an email to info at drmanasseh.com. Info at drmanasseh.com. Dot com. So we have been working with Charisma Radio Live for quite some time now. And thank you so much, Pastor Colan, for hosting us. Just to make sure that the whole world, you know, have an opportunity to listen to the gospel. Last week we talked about a very interesting subject. We talked about three heavens. You know, we talked about creation. And we look at Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. And what we found is in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The heavens and the earth. And we, we checked in the Hebrew uh, Bible and we found that the word God is Elohim. Elohim. Elohim, it means God. But something very interesting about that word, it's plural instead of singular. And what we later learned, it's, it's plural because it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And also, the word heavens and the earth, in the Hebrew Bible, it's one word. It's one word, and the word is Hashamayim. Hashamayim. Hashamayim, it means heavens and the earth. And we focused on the word heavens. And we found that there are three heavens that are in the Bible. The first one is the sky that is above us. You know, that's where the... Uh, the sky, that's where we have the clouds, that's where the birds uh, fly, that's where we have, you know, the aeroplanes fly, that's the sky above us, the sky just immediate above us. But the second one is the galaxy, the outer space, and we look at the sun, the moon, the stars, and the galaxy, and what we learned is, is that the, you know, we, we learned about the solar system, that there are a lot of solar systems uh, up there, there are thousands and millions and billions of solar systems, and what we discovered is every time you look upstairs or up there and you see a star, what we discovered is every star is a sun and it has its own system, it has its own planets that are revolving around it. What we call stars, those are suns, and where we are, it's one of those, uh, you know, uh, one one of those solar systems where we have the sun and about 11 or 12 uh, planets around it. And Earth is one of those planets. It's one of those planets. The third heaven, we said, that is where God rules. That's where God lives. That's the home of God. And that's what we'll focus on tonight. That's where we have the angels. That's where we have the archangels. That's where we have the cherubims. You know, that's God's presence. That's a place where God inhabits. The Bible says, God inhabits the praises of his people, and that will help us to understand uh, that today. It will help us to understand uh, that part of the Bible today. One of the things that we'll focus on today is, you know, relationships. 
We'll talk about relationships. Now, what we, we have noticed is, once God has created man, once God has created man, God wanted to have a permanent relationship with him. God wanted to have a permanent relationship with man. And that's why his presence was always there. And what he did is, in the place, the area, you know, in the area called Eden, the place or the area called Eden, God created a garden. So, Eden was a bigger area, was a bigger place. But in that place, God created a garden. He created a garden. And in that garden, that's where He put man. So the garden, it was almost like a window. A garden was a window that connected heaven and earth. So God gave man access to heaven by bringing man into this garden. After He has created this garden, He put man inside that garden. So man had access to God. Man had access to God. Man had fellowship with God. While he was inside the garden, God will provide for him. God will do everything for man. God will fellowship with man. And the book of Genesis chapter 2, that's what we'll focus on today. It talks about that. And another thing we're going to look about the Sabbath, we're going to look about creation of man. We're going to look the free will that God has given to us as men. And also, we're going to focus on relationships, like I said earlier. And we'll also look at the first prohibition. And the marriage. We'll talk about marriage also. The Sabbath. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, the Bible says, On the seventh day, God had finished His work of creation. So He rested from all His work. Verse 3. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. He declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. Here the Bible says God finished creation on the seventh day. And he rested. And that is, that is the key. He rested. But he only rested after he finished the work of creation. After he finished the work of creation, God rested. God finished what he started. God finished what He started. He started creation on the first day, then on the seventh day He finished, or the sixth day He finished. But then on the seventh day, that's when He, he rested. That's when He rested. Now, God is a God who starts and finishes. This is very important. I will spend some time on this. God, when He starts something, He finishes it. You know, it speaks of God's integrity. Integrity, what it means is the resolve to finish what you start. When, when we say you are a man of integrity, in other words, when you make a decision, when you resolve to start something, you finish it, you don't stop on the way. So the same thing with our God. When God starts something, He finishes it. In actual fact, Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, He who began a good work in you will Perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. In other, other versions says, He will perfect it. He will finish it. He will complete it. Because when God starts something, He finishes it. You remember when Jesus came to die at the cross for you and me, to die for our sins, at the end of everything, He shouted, He screamed victoriously, and He said what? 
it is finished. It is finished. Because when God starts something, He finishes it. God never starts something and He does not finish. And we as the children of God, we as created, we are created in the image of God. We should be men and women who finish what we start. We should, we should get into the habit of finishing whatever you start in your life. Some of you will be far in life if you had, you know, the discipline to finish whatever you start. Some of you, you just keep starting things, but you never finish. And that's why you are where you are in your life right now. That's why you're never successful in anything in your life. Some of you, you start school, but you don't finish. You register in the beginning of the year, but you don't finish. Always you have excuses. Always you have reasons why you do not finish. I do not plan to spend time on this, but I feel like I'm speaking to somebody right now. I feel like I have to speak about this. Some of you start things, but you don't finish. We must be like our father. Our father, he started something and he finished it. God is a God who completes. Some of you, you give up so early. You give up so easily. You quit so quickly. You don't stay, you know, all the way. You don't stay the course. You give up so easily. Some of you, you know, by now you will have completed that the certificate. You will have completed that diploma. You will have completed that degree. You, have com- you will have completed that, you know, that doctorate or master's or whatever level that you are talking about. You know you just keep on studying, but you don't finish. You don't finish anything in life. You know, yesterday I, I attended a graduation. There was one lady who graduated and she got a degree in biblical studies in, a, in Monrovia. It was so exciting and, and, and you know, the chancellor gave this testimony and said, this lady, she said in her life she has never finished anything. She has never finished school. She has never finished anything in her life. This is the first time that she has finished something significant in her life. I wish some of us could start that also in our lives. And this applies in every area of your life. Because my understanding is how you do one thing, that's how you do everything in your life. You keep on starting and starting and starting, but you don't finish. Some of you, it's in the area of relationships. Every time we meet you in the mall, you're always in a new relationship. Because you never finish wherever you start. You never... You never get committed to whatever you start. Make a resolve to finish what you start in your life. If you want to progress in your life, make a resolve to finish whatever you start in your life. Some of you keep on starting new businesses. Every time I meet you, you're always starting a new business. Always you have something new. Because you never finish anything in your life. And ask you, what about the business that you started last year? What about the business that you started in 2020? What about what you started in 2019? You never finish anything. Every time you keep on starting and starting and starting, you're just moving around the cycles in your life. You never progress in your life because you never finish anything that you start. Remember, in life, Winners never quit. And quitters, they never win. Some of you, it's in your finances. You start to budget, but somewhere along the way, you stop. That's why there's no progress in your finances. Some of you start building projects. 
Always, you, you are right there at the window level. For the, first, for, five, for, for the past five years, you are right at the same place. You never progress to roofing. You never progress to anything. Whatever you have started, you never finish in your life. Remember, a rolling stone never gathers any moss. A rolling stone gathers no moss. You will never accumulate anything. You will never reach anywhere in your life. Whether it's at your job. You know, some of you, every time we meet, you always in a new job. Because you never finish anything in your life. You always have a new job. You always have a new church. You always have a new, new, new girlfriend, new boyfriend, new man, a new woman. Everything is new always in your life. At your age. Because you never finish anything. You always start this new program. You always start this new project. You always start this new business. Please, let's learn to finish whatever we start in our lives. If we want to progress. If we want to be something in our lives. May God help us to be like our God. The Bible says God created. And on the seventh day He finished everything. And He rested. God finishes what He starts. Your, your salvation is finished. It's complete in Christ. And the Bible says he stopped creating on the Sabbath. Sabbath, that's a day of rest. That's a day of rest. Did really God get tired? Was really God tired? No. God does not get tired. In actual fact, the original word there, it means to complete. It means complete rest. It means cessation. It means to stop. In other words, God stopped creating. He stopped, you know, creating at that point. Because everything that He needed, it was complete. Because God always completes whatever He starts. Whatever He starts. And the word Sabbath, actually, it's Shabbat in Hebrew. Shabbat. It's related to what we call Shivet. Shivet means to dwell, to remain. And God started to, to say, okay, I have everything is complete. Everything is done. And he decided to dwell. He decided to rest. He decided to stay with man. Yahweh, he made the world his dwelling place. That's when he created the Garden of Eden. To dwell. To dwell. And the Bible says he declared Shabbat or Sabbat. He declared it holy. Holy, to be holy means to be set apart. Means to be separate. God is the only one who can declare things holy. Your bishop cannot declare you holy. Your priest cannot declare you holy. Your pastor cannot declare you holy. Only God can declare you holy. Brothers and sisters, it does not matter what people call you. When God says you are his child, you are his child. And you have to believe that, you have to accept that. When God says you are holy, it means you are holy. You are not holy because of what you have done. You are holy because of your position. When you are in Christ, you are holy. So God declared Sabbath holy. Now in the Hebrew calendar, when you talk of Sabbath, in the Hebrew calendar, a day begins at sunset and not at midnight. So Sabbath in this case, it meant Friday, sunset. And even today, some of the Jews, or most of the Jews, they still observe that. They still observe that. So, Sabbath did not start with the children of Israel. 
Right from the beginning, right from the book of Genesis, we had Sabbath. That's why. That's why when you read Exodus chapter 20, I know sometimes we read these things so quick and we overlook them. God did not introduce Sabbath. He just reminded them of Sabbath. Exodus chapter 20 verse 8. The Bible says, remember to observe the Sabbath. That's when God gave you know, Moses the laws after they crossed the Red Sea in Mount Sinai. He's just reminding them. He says, remember to observe the Sabbath. So it was, not, it was not something new that was given to the Jews. It was given to humanity. It was given to everyone. Not only to the Jews. Not only to the nation of Israel. Now let's look at who is man. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils. And the man became a living being or a living person. When God formed man, man was formed with earthly elements. Man was formed from dust. The word Adam, actually, the original word is Adama. Adama is a Hebrew word for ground, for soil, for dead, for earth. In Spanish, it's tiara. Tiara. So, that's the original name for, for Adam. So Adam, it was not necessarily a name, it was just a description of him. And even you know, in some of us, our language is almost the same thing. You know, in, I think in Sutu it's Mahu. In Shitonga it's uh, Misava or Misaben. You know, in Kosa or Zulu, I think it's Umsabati uh, or Umsaba. So the word soil, it simply means Adam, Adama. Adama. That was his original uh, mean the original meaning of the name Adam. But then, when Bible says God created or God formed man, when He formed man, that man it was just a lifeless body. It had a head. It had you know all the parts of the body. It had the legs. It had all the arms and everything. That, you know the teeth and the eyes. Everything that you would expect in a human being. But that that body it was lifeless. It was just lying there. It was just lying there. So, God started to breathe on that body. When He breathed on that body, that's the key. When God breathed on that body, the body became alive. The body was energized when God breathed His Spirit. So, man was created in God's image because God breathed in him His Spirit. So, we are human beings. Human beings who are spirit. This spirit, it lives in a body. And that's the spirit that God has breathed in human body. And the body became a living being. So God gave him his breath. God gave him his spirit. And then he became alive. Because God wanted him to remain connected with him. God wanted to remain connected with man through his spirit. So man connects with God through his spirit. And we'll see it later when God you know, created the animals. He did not put in his spirit in the animals. Because God did not want to connect with animals at the same level he connects with men. Man is unique. He is the only creature that God, you know, connected with him. Man connects with God through his spirit. That's why even when we worship, 
In John chapter 4, Jesus says, you know, those who want to worship God, they must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Because we only connect with God in spirit. That is the only connection that we have. That's one thing that's, you know, that is a common between us and God. That is the spirit of God. That is the spirit of God. So man is connected with God through the spirit of God. And man is the only living creation. That is created to, you know, through. And that is created and has the spirit of God. Only a living God can give life to a lifeless body. If that body was not you know, inspired, if that body was not breathed in, actually the word breathe is the same word that was used for inspire. When we say the, 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 the word of God, you know, all the word of God, all scripture is inspired. That same word inspired is the same word that was used in Genesis to breathe. The same word. So the word of God is alive. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. Why? Because it's inspired by God. God has breathed in his spirit into his word. So only a living God can breathe in life into a lifeless body. And this disproves, it negates the theory of evolution. Because evolution says no, it was just energy and this energy and it sparkled and you know after it sparked and, and then we have this uh, small tiny little uh, atom and it grew and the form and then formed the earth and formed the, you know, the universe and all of that kind of... No. Okay, let's say the earth was formed, but there was no life. How did life get into, 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 uh, into the universe? It's only God can breathe in His Spirit and we become alive. We become alive. Only God, you know, only a living thing. Only a living thing can breathe in life into a dead or a, you know, a, a lifeless body. Most of you remember if you studied, you know, science, there's what we call the first law of thermodynamics. And it says energy cannot be created and energy cannot be destroyed. It can only be transferred. It can only be changed from one form into another. So in this way, in other words, if it was just a lifeless body, it will never have life until something that has life breathes in life into it. And that is God who only did that. It's only God who can do that. So we become alive because God has breathed in His life into us. Nobody else, nothing else will create that energy. Nothing else will create that power of living. Now another thing is, I know we talked about Eden. Eden, that is chapter 2 verse 15. The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden. In other words, there was an area called Eden, and in that area, God, you know, He established a, a garden. And in that garden, He put man, and He said, You will tend and watch over this garden. It's like we have the globe, we have the earth, we have this earth, and God created a garden. We said a garden, it was almost, it was almost a window between God and earth. It was almost a connection between God and earth. In other words, when man was in that garden, he had connection with God. In actual fact, the Bible says God would sometimes, you know, walk in the garden. Man had connection with God. Man would connect with God. Man would talk to God. And God would talk to man. 
That's how much connected they were. That's how much relationship they had with God. So the garden in the land of Eden was planted by God and it was given to Adam to take care of it. So, God and in the garden of Eden, it was a meeting place. Who was meeting there? God was meeting with this person. God was meeting with his human being. God was meeting with Adam. And that is what, that is the symbol of devotion. In other words, God wanted to have a continuous relationship with Adam. And the same thing with us. God wants to have devotion time. God wants us to have time with him. Spend time with him. Talk to him. Pray to him. Read his word. That becomes our Eden. Your, your prayer closet. That is your Eden. That's why you stay connected with God. In the Eden, it was God's presence. In the Eden, there was God's provision. In the Eden, it, it was a place where there was communication between man and God. It was a place of fellowship. And the place that was a symbol of the temple. A symbol of, of worship. Where God and man meet. It was a place where God connects with man. And man connects with God. Man was given everything when he was in Eden. The Bible says God was, he said to him, you can eat everything that is in the garden. Man was given everything. Man was provided for by God. But something very interesting, God gave man what he called free will. Free will. And he gave him also the first prohibition. The prohibition was, you will not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. In other words, right at the center of the garden, the Bible says there were two trees. One tree was the tree of life. The second tree was the tree that has the knowledge of good and evil. Knowledge of good and evil. And God says, you can eat anything, but for that, for that tree, don't eat anything. He never said, don't touch it. He said, don't eat from it. That's what he said. So it was the first prohibition that was given to man. First prohibition that was given to man. Now, here we start to see the freedom that God gave to man. In verse 15. The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. Verse 16. But the Lord God warned him. He warned him. He said, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden. But verse 17 says, except. That's the first prohibition. The first prohibition. Except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. You are sure to die. In other words, you will start to disintegrate. Things will start to go down with you. Men did not die immediately physically. But then he started to, to decay. He started to decay. And it was not only physical death, but it was also spiritual death. That's why after men sinned, God had to put men outside the garden. Why? Because in the garden, that's the presence of God. That's the holy place of God. That's what we call heaven on earth. That's heaven on earth. And God had to put man outside the garden because he no longer, you know, qualified to live in the garden because he disobeyed God. And you ask yourself, why did God have to, you know, to give Adam such choices and Adam had to make the wrong choice or Adam and Eve had to make the wrong choice? By the way, true love is based on what we call volition. Freedom to choose. God gave man 
freedom to choose right from the beginning. So man's relationship with God and his provision, it was conditional. It was conditional. God says, I will supply everything that you need. I will give you all the food that you need. I will give you anything that you need. But the condition is, you have to obey what I told you to do. You have to stay connected with God. Man will be fully dependent upon God for all his needs. All this was given with one condition. Stay obedient to God. Stay obedient to God. But unfortunately, man sinned. And he lost the fellowship with God. Man sinned. And he lost the provision. Man sinned. And he lost all these privileges. Then he had to start to work for himself. He had to start to work for his food. Man had a power of choice from the beginning. God gave man choice. And even today, God gives you a choice. You can choose your destiny. You can choose if you want to stay with God for the rest of your life or beyond death or not. You can choose to stay with God. You can stay with God after this, this life. And you make a choice while you're still alive. You make a choice while you're still alive. And I'll advise you to choose God. I would advise you to choose God. God gave us a choice. Right from the beginning, God gave man a choice. Man had a power of choice from the beginning. We can choose to love God or we can choose not to love God. God gave us the power of choice. And true love is based on choice. You can't say you love me whereas you don't have a choice. You must choose to love me. And God wanted Adam and Eve, God wanted men to choose voluntarily so to love him, to obey him. If God made man a robot, so he had no choice, then men had no freedom. God gave us, you know, an ability to make decisions. That's why he gave us brains. By the way, all decisions have consequences. Whether it's a small decision or a big decision. All the decisions have, you know, consequences. All the decisions are attached to a particular consequence. Every decision that you make, it has a consequence. You are free to make a choice. You are free to make a decision. But you are not free to make a choice that is attached to the consequence. You can choose to love God. It has its consequence. You can choose to hate God or to reject God. It has its own consequence. You can choose to go to school. It has its consequence. You can choose not to go to school. It has its own consequence. You can choose to live a clean life. It has its consequence. You can choose to live a sinful life. It has its own consequence. Any choice that you make, you cannot decide what kind of consequence you want. Freedom of choice. It's a God-given capacity. You are free to make any choice. You have the power of choice. And by the way, the power of choice is meaningless if there is nothing to choose from. So God made sure that He gives men a choice. And for life to be meaningful, like I said earlier, there must be a power of choice. I have to choose to love you. You have to choose to love me. If there is no choice, that is not love. That is enslavement. You are a robot. But God wanted to give men the freedom to choose. Because God could not choose for men. 
God cannot force you to choose Him. You make your own choice to either to accept Christ or to reject Him in your life. God does not send men to hell. Man chooses to go to hell by rejecting Him. If you reject God, when you die, you go to hell. You cannot reject God while you are still alive, but you want to live with Him after you have died in heaven. No, it does not work like that. The choices that you make while you are still alive will determine where you go after you die. Not everyone who dies goes to heaven. I know sometimes, you know, as pastors, we try to, uh, to, you know, to, to comfort the families. Oh, he's in a better place. No, no, no. Maybe he's even in a worse place. He has gone to hell if he didn't accept Christ. If you don't accept Christ, you are not going to heaven when you die. You go to hell. So you make a choice while you are still alive. Man was created for relationships. Like we have seen, God wanted to stay in relationship with man. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 18, the Bible says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. You know, God looked at man. He has a relationship with him. But he still feels like there is something missing here. And he says, I will make a helper who is just right for him. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one of them. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky and all the wild animals. This is very interesting. But still, there was no helper just right for him. Man will enjoy life when he stays in intimate relationship with his creator, God. Because man is created for relationships. And God realized that this man, he needs some relationship. He needs some help. And God created a woman for him. A woman for him. Human beings are created for relationships. God wants us to have relationship with Him, but also to have relationship with one another. It is very important to create, you know, those life healthy relationships with other people also. You know, God brought all the animals to Adam, and Adam named each one of them. Something very interesting about the animals, when God created, when God formed animals, He formed the same way like He did with Adam. But the difference is, he did not breathe his spirit into the animals. Because did not, God did not want to have a relationship with animals. Why not have a relationship with man? Only man is related to God. Only man has a relationship with God. Only man can relate to God. Animals cannot worship God. Only man can worship God. And this man, he was so intelligent. Just imagine, I don't know how many animals we have, but all those thousands and millions of animals, each one of them, Adam had to give it a name. And he could not even repeat the same name. Some of us, you know, if I can bring ten people in front of you and I give you their names, maybe you can remember the first two, three people. Beyond that, you can't remember them. It will take time before you could remember their names. But this man, you know, every animal that we can think of was brought to him. He could remember each one of them. He gave a name to each one of them. Because he was very, very intelligent. But still, none was found as a comparable helper to him. Man was superior. Man was above the animals. But still, 
He was alone. So without fellowship, we stay lonely. Without fellowship, we stay alone until God created Eve for him. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man was asleep or while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of men's ribs and closed up the opening. Wow, that was the first operation, the first surgery that God did. Verse 22, Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. So when the man woke up, he says, At last, after all those thousands of animals, he says, At last, he could recognize, he could reconnect, he could connect with, with this woman. The man exclaimed, This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. Eve was created out of a need. Eve was created out of a need. This is very important. In other words, Eve had value. Eve had value. She had value. So every woman has value. My sister, you have value. No matter what people say about you, no matter what the culture says about you, you have value before God. God looks at you and says, there is a need for you to be on earth. You are born for a purpose. You are here because there is a purpose for you to be here. And the Bible says, God had to put men to sleep. This is a prefigurement of death and resurrection. So he put him to sleep, but he resurrected him again. He resurrected him again. In actual fact, the original word for rib in the Hebrew Bible, rib, it simply means a side. And this is very important. It was not just a bone. It was not just one bone, that rib. But it was a, you know, it was a side of man. It was a side of man. When God created a woman, He wanted a woman to be on the side of man. In other words, to be equal to man. Man is not better than a woman. Man is not above a woman. Men and women before God, we are all equal. We all have value before God. There is no body, there is no man who has a right to abuse a woman. No. All women have value. All men and women, we are all equal before God. We all have equal value before God. So don't look down upon yourself. It does not matter who says what to you. Your best definition of who you are, it's not with another man. It's not with another woman. The best definition of who you are, it's with God. A woman is also made in the likeness of God. So when men, when God took one side of man, or half of man, and he created a, a woman out of that half, he was saying, men and women, you are all equal, you all have the same value. And Adam named her Eve. So, man was part of, I mean, a woman was part of man. This is very important. The word man, it comes from, you know, the Hebrew word for man, it's ish. Ish. So, when he said, this is, no, this is man, this is ish. Adam was ish. A woman is ishaha. Ishaha, it simply means wife in Hebrew. Isha means wife. Isha means 
a woman. Because Ishaha comes from Ish. Ishaha comes from Ish. This is very important, especially for about what I'm going to talk about in the next few minutes. Men recognize from the beginning that a woman is part of him. A woman is part of him. A woman is connected to him. And this shows the interdependence that is there between men and a woman. Men need a woman. And a woman also needs men. There are things that women can do that men cannot do. There are things that men can do women cannot do. So, when we meet, we complement each other, we support each other, we help each other. When do you need help? You need help if you are not able to do things on your own. That's why God says, I will create, I will make a helper for him. That word helper, it's very important, brothers and sisters. If I'm trying to, you know, never to lift up a, a box and I can't be able to lift up, and I ask somebody and say, can you come and help me lift this box? It means on my own, I could not do it. So I need somebody to come and help me. And when God looks at men, he says, there are a lot of things that men cannot do on his own. He needs a helper. And he brought a woman. It does not mean a woman is under a man. It does not mean a man is better than a woman. No. She is there to help him. She is there to support him. She is there to help him reach and move to the next level of his life. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 23, the Bible says, I mean chapter 2, I'm sorry, chapter 2 verse 23. At last, the man exclaimed, This one is born from my bones and flesh from my flesh. She would be called woman because she was taken from men. She would be called Ishaha because she was taken from Isha. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. Joined to his wife. In other words, joined means reunited. Reunited because half of men has been taken out and God made a woman out of that half. Ish and Isha. Ish and Isha. So, men had to be rejoined. So, when we talk of marriage, it's when we rejoin. When a man and a woman, they come together again. And the two are united into one. That's what it means. The two become one. The other half and the other half, when, when we join together. So, marriage... Marriage, it simply means the reunification of man and woman to become one again. Now, the man and his wife were both naked. Were both naked. But they felt no shame. Let me spend some time on this area. I know I may not be politically correct, but I'm biblically correct. Marriage is between one man and a woman. The two are becoming one again. The two are becoming one again. That's all that marriage means. Anything outside that, let's not change it. That is not the definition of marriage. We can call it whatever you want to call it. But it's not marriage. Give it another name. Because once you say marriage, it's a man and a man, and a woman and a woman. That is no longer marriage. The original marriage uh, definition is when one half that is a man, come together again, rejoin with the other part, the other half, and they become one. That is marriage. That is the meaning of marriage. Marriage is between Ish and Ishaha. 
The basic family is the father, mother, and the children. In case God blesses you with the children. So marriage is between a father and a mother. It's not between a father and a father, or a mother and a mother. In actual fact, Jesus always talked about it also. And here we see Paul. He addressed the same thing. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, Oh, do you not know that wrongdoers or evildoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? So no matter what the government says, we are talking about the kingdom of God here. We are talking about the Bible here. He says, do not be deceived, brothers and sisters. Do not allow anybody to tell you a lie. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. It does not matter who says what. We stick to what the Bible says. Verse 11 says, And that is what some of you were. This is the key. Which means there are people who became Christians, there are people who became believers, and they change their lifestyles. You can change your lifestyle. Nobody can convince me, oh, that's who I am, that's how I was born, you know, that's, that's my orientation. No, the Bible says they had to change once they came to Christ. He says, Paul says, some of you were like that, but you changed, you have converted. Now you are Christians, now you are believers, now you are heading to heaven. Going to heaven is not determined by the government. Just because the government allows it, it does not make it right, it does not make it godly, it does not make it biblical. Just because science says, just because biology says, it does not make it right. Bible says some of you were, which means there are some who changed. Changed their lives and they became new creatures in Christ. He says, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the Spirit of our Lord or our God. And Jesus continued with this subject in Matthew chapter 19 verse 7. He says, you know, when, the, when some of the, the Pharisees, they came to him and said, Oh, but you, you say we should not divorce. Look at what uh, Moses said. Moses allowed us. The law allowed us. And they said to him, to Jesus, Why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? And Jesus says, he said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts. Because some of you, your hearts are so hard. You want to continue to live in sin. You want to continue to do whatever you want to do. And Moses finally, he permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. Brothers and sisters, we said Genesis means the beginning. Right from the beginning, that is not what God wanted. All relationships have 100% chance to succeed. Under one condition. If it is done God's way. If a man can live the right way. And a woman lives the right way. There is no way that relationship cannot succeed. Once the relationship fails. It means one of them. One of them. Or both of them. Lived outside God's will. They did not follow what God wanted them to follow. I don't have enough time. I'm not going to talk much about this. But many problems in our relationships. Arise because people left the basic concept of marriage. Marriage simply means a relationship between man and a woman. That's the definition of marriage. Once you put anything, don't call it marriage. 
Call something else. Don't call it marriage. It's an oxymoron to say gay marriage. It does not make sense. Because that's not the definition of marriage. Marriage is ish and isha. Marriage is man and woman. It's, it's when the half part, the one part and the other part, they reunite. They join together and they become one. That's why the Bible says that they do not become two. They become one again. It's not a man and a man who become one again. So that's not marriage. That's not marriage. And the Bible says in the beginning it was not so. And the last part, it says, no, they were not ashamed. Why were they not ashamed? Because there was no sin. There was no sin. So they were open to one another. They were not ashamed with one another. And if you want to have a strong relationship, it must be a relationship where we are not ashamed. Where we are open to one another. Where we are free with one another. That's the only way you will have true and, 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 and real relationship. As we are going to close, let's take a look at some few lessons that we have learned in Genesis chapter 2. Lesson number one. Everything that God starts, He finishes. Everything that God starts, He finishes. And whatever God has started in your life, my brother, my sister, God will finish it. Genesis chapter 2 verse 1 says, so the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. God wants to complete what he has started in you. God wants to finish whatever he has started in you. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance. Let's endure the race that is set before us. Verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author, the starter, the beginner, the alpha of our faith. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Whatever God has started in your life, God will finish it. Whatever God has started in your life, God will make sure that it comes to fruition. God's ultimate purpose for creating man was for relationships. Relationship with Him. Relationship with one another. God wants us to have functional and strong families. God wants us to have functional and strong relationships. We are created for healthy relationships with Him and other people. When God wants to bless you, He will use people. It's very important to have good relationships. It's very, very important to, to cultivate your relationships. All the answers, all the prayers that you are making right now, whatever you are praying for during the day, whatever you are praying for at night, whatever you are fasting for, let me tell you, my brother, my sister, God will use another human being to bring an answer to your life. For that job that you are looking for, God will use other people. For those finances that you are looking for, God will use other people. We have to create, we have to build strong relationships, healthy relationships with other people. Maybe some of the people that you are rejecting in your life, those are the people that God wants to use to bring an answer to your prayer. How do you know? The very same person that you are rejecting, maybe it's the one that God will bring the answer through. We have to learn to, 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 to build and create Functional relationships with other people. Healthy relationships are critical to our success in life. There is no self-made millionaire. Self-made success. There is nothing like that. 
Even in business. Your business is succeeding because there are customers. There are other people. If you don't have good relationships with your customers, your business is going nowhere. All successful businesses, they have good customer relations department. They have strong customer relations department. All the businesses that are not going well, they don't have good customer relations department. Even in your life, it's just like that. If you want to have quality relationships, you have to build good relationships. You have to, to learn to build good relationships with other people. Relationships are critical in ministry. Relationships are critical in church. Relationships are critical even in our spiritual being. Lastly, the last one is Revelation chapter 21, verse 2. At the end of it all, that's the last book in the Bible. The Bible says, And I saw, I mean, this is when we talk of the new heavens and the new earth, when the old one has been destroyed. In Revelation 21, verse 2, the Bible says, And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God, out of heaven, like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Verse 3, I heard a loud voice. I heard a loud shout. I heard it from the throne saying, Here, here we have the earth here. And right from, from above, right from God. The Bible says there is a new Jerusalem that is coming. And in that new Jerusalem, that's where all believers will live. That's where all Christians will live. That's where all those who have accepted Christ will be. I like the next part. It says, look. God's home is now among His people. God has brought back His presence among people in the New Jerusalem. To me, it looks like Eden. It looks like the Garden of Eden again. That's what I see here. That's what I see. I see God trying to bring back that relationship again. Look, God's home is now among His people. He will live with them, just like he did in the Garden of Eden. And they will be his people. God himself will be with them. I mean, God will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death. Unlike in the Garden of Eden. When men disobeyed God and there was death. He said, in this case, no more death again. No more sorrow. No more crying. No more pain. No more sickness. No more disease. All these things are gone forever. 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 But only you'll only be able to live in this new Garden of Eden. You'll only be able to live again. To reconnect with God in this new Jerusalem. If we accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Right now. You reconnect with God. That is the best relationship you'll ever have. God always wanted to have, he had been yearning to have a relationship with men, a permanent relationship with men, right from the beginning. God wanted to dwell among us. God wanted to live with human beings again. My brother, my sister, I want to challenge you that if you accept Christ, God wants to bring that relationship again. You will experience and enjoy that relationship again. Right from the beginning, God wanted to have a relationship with men. Right from the beginning. Even up to the end, God still wants to have a relationship with human beings. May God help us re-establish our relationship with God. Let's pray.